In the Green Room with Bob O'Brien, brought to you by SOS Global Express. Today we're in the Green Room with tour manager extraordinaire Rebecca Travis. Uh, Rebecca is a highly sought after tour manager within the industry and indeed has been nominated for Tour Manager of the Year numerous times. Tell us where it all started. Coming from Edinburgh, there's a big art scene here. I worked in all the festivals up here. I did a, a course in arts management at the local college when I was much younger and uh, did a placement with the company who, the big rock and roll promoter here, Regular Music, who branched into events. So I, I, I did the big Edinburgh's Hogmanay event for years and years, like 13 years. So I did all that. I did Edinburgh Festival Fringe. I site managed the book festival. And once I'd done it, and Tea in the Park, I did all that from their early days of that. And once I'd done all that, I thought, well, I'm either going to move to London or I'm going to uh, tour. And a friend of mine was applying for a river dance um, for a job on their tour. So I applied as well. And I got that job. And that was me starting and touring in 1999. I had the interview and they didn't have a place right away. But as soon as they did, they said, would you come, would you come on board? So I, I remember just had to pack up and go to Toronto. That was my, my first uh, run with them was a four-month North American tour. That then led on to... Uh, six months on Broadway with Riverdance and then I kind of thought I wanted to keep moving I didn't want to live in a place for a while I wanted to keep moving a new another job came up within Riverdance for their uh, logistics coordinator job Um, so I applied for that and got it and that was me looking after 100 people looking after charter flights international commercial flights hotels for 100 people at a time uh, tour buses, cars, visas, did all the visas. And that was the start of touring for me. Do you mind listing if, uh, the artists you worked with since then? Yeah, so when I started, I did Brian Ferry, assistant tour manager. I went back to him years later to tour manage him. Um, I was production assistant on UB40 in the early days, Enrique Iglesias. Uh, I went in as assistant on Franz Ferdinand and then... And was made tour manager, so that was my first tour management um, job. As they really, they just they skyrocketed to an arena band. So it was I just started, did some festivals, and then they were doing arenas. Um, Katie Tunsil for years and years, long time with Katie. Uh, Ellie Golding again, a long time. James Blake, Flight of the Concords, uh, Arcade Fire, Florence and the Machine, and Freya Ridings. I don't think I've missed anyone there. There's no pattern. You just get asked if you're available and then if it works out, you do the job. I mean, people like Franz, Katie and Elia did, and James actually. In fact, yeah, most of them. You end up doing a lot. Katie, I did sort of probably six years on and off. So you would do her campaign, go and work for someone else while she was writing and recording. Same with Ellie. Um, yeah, Franz, Katie and Elliot did that with James Blake. I've done on and off for sort of nine years. Um, he doesn't tour steadily, doesn't do huge campaigns. So it's just really been whenever I've been able to do it. Flight of the Concords don't do much at all. Um, but whenever they do, I'm desperate to do it because, you know, they're amazing. Arcade Fire just did one lot of stuff with them. And Florence just one campaign as well. Uh, and Freya, I've done the tail end of her first campaign just because she needed a new tour manager, but she's she's ended now. Can you tell us what would be the most outrageous rider you've ever had to prepare? 
people, they just don't even think about it. They just write this big load of stuff that they're never going to use. And time after time, they would just leave it there and it would be wasted. And uh, Awful waste, isn't it, sometimes? Yeah, I hate, I hate the waste. So I always like, sit with a band and trim it and uh, trim a rider and make it, you know, make sure they've got everything they need. But, you know, they're, they're not going to waste things. And I always check in every so often. Um, if if things keep getting left and people aren't having them, then we just take them off the rider and bring in something new. But I'm, I mean, in terms of outrageous, fun stuff, I, honestly, I'm, this is I'm, it's a boring answer, but I cannot think of any crazy but stuff. That, if nothing springs to mind, that's a good. That, I mean, that's a good uh, reflection on the artists you worked with. It's more business these days. There's more of a social and moral responsibility. I'd say in the last fifteen years, definitely. So, mm-hmm. in, you know, instead of like the rock and roll excesses that have been, I suppose, uh, described in many books and movies and stuff, uh, you, you just don't see any of that these days. You really don't. You no, can't. I agree. I mean, the last couple of artists I've worked with, you know, they're all grown up. They've done it for years and, you know, they want what they want. They're specific with their hotels, they're specific with their food and they're specific with their rest and their class of travel. It's all about making touring as comfortable as possible. Uh, while still trying to, you know, make some money at it. Otherwise, why would they be doing it? Um, but that's more about that now than the than the parties and the craziness. Or certainly the the bands. You know, I haven't worked with a young young band for a while. Freya's young, but she's very very sensible. Doesn't drink a thing at all because it affects her voice. So yeah, it's, it's. I think it's about comfort and longevity of the tour. And if they can do it in a way that, that doesn't exhaust them too much, keeps them healthy, um, they'll keep going for longer. But yeah, I, I, I don't think I could work with the party animal bands now anyway, because I'm older and couldn't keep up with them. And the, the industry as well is a busier place, isn't it? It's just busier. Technology and connectivity and stuff has just made everybody's day. I suppose in some ways it's made it... Um, made the, um, you know, being able to connect with people uh, like WhatsApp and various social media platforms and mobile phones and stuff like that, it's, it's made it easier to connect to people, but it's also in some respects made your days longer uh, because we tend to talk to the industry more these days, like tour promoters, whether by email or conference calling or promoters, agents, travel agents, I think it was a lot simpler back then because you just you just made a call, you made a decision, you picked a hotel, uh, you were picked a tour, and you just went and did it. And whatever challenges popped up along the way, they weren't such big challenges as I suppose they can be now. Mm-hmm. We have to communicate with our teams, and how 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 we do that's changed a lot. You know, in the olden days, I remember uh, on Riverdance having to take day sheets and post them under hotel room doors and it wouldn't be a hundred people you would take it to the heads of department and then they would have to use the hotel phone to get everybody else this was pre-email email was around but not everybody had it you didn't have it on your phone you didn't necessarily sit down at your laptop and also you, you had to pay quite a lot for internet those days and it wasn't included in hotels so people didn't didn't pay for it so you would slide the thing under the door Half the time it wouldn't even go under the door. Uh, oh, it was an it was a blooming nightmare. It was. Sometimes you get the hotel to do it for you, and then you were never quite sure if they did it. Yeah. Um, 
could you be sure that they had the information? And then you would print it and every bunk on a tour bus would have to have a, but you know, it was terrible for the environment, all this paper. Um, so now we email it and we print it for the bus and put it in key places around the venue um, and you WhatsApp it, depending on how you do it. Maybe you use Master Tour, I don't use it, but um, WhatsApp I find is really good. Could people get a little beep every time something's changed, sound checks running 20 minutes late or whatever we're doing. WhatsApp's good. That's, that's my, um, my saviour, the WhatsApp. You've just got to keep the, the groups business-like because it turns out, you know, it ends up being people's dinner plans. So your important information gets lost in the sea of what bar are we going to, what are you doing after dinner? So you have to try and keep them separate. Um, but no, WhatsApp's a great, a great method. But yeah, we're never off. We're never offline. You know, you constantly have to be online. I mean, I've I've had it like if I haven't responded to an email in a couple of hours, someone phones you or beeps you. Do you get my email? Yeah, I got your email, but I was having a bath or I was sleeping or you know you have you have to be. And I would get frustrated if someone was working for me and they didn't come immediately back to a text. I want to hear from them straight away. I don't want to wait for a reply. When I started with Freya, the outgoing tour manager, very, very organized guy, um, he was like, I'll make you the administrator for all of the WhatsApp groups. There was something like three WhatsApp groups for the same artist. But it was like one was band, one was crew, and one was social or something like that. It was, I mean, it was a good way of doing it. I understand why, but it's a lot of a lot of groups for one. Until one. until you're in that zone, that challenging zone on tour, where you you post the wrong message to the wrong what's the wrong group. <laughs> so, with all talk of hotels, Rebecca, what's the funniest pseudonym you've ever had to check abandoned on? Well, I haven't had that many pseudonyms, but Franz Ferdinand at their peak had some funny ones. Uh, they were big in Japan, very big. They did uh, Budokan there, which is a, a venue not, not many artists have done. It's a huge, huge thing. Um, right, prestigious, historic venue, think, isn't it? Yeah, I think only like Beatles have done it and Oasis, maybe Radiohead, people like that. But it's a, it was a big, big deal. And the guys were uh, nervous. Quite the, the Japanese fans can be quite full on and clever at tracking them down. So the guys, the two that stood out, one of the guys called himself uh, Rory Lorimer, which was to make it a challenge for the, the Japanese hotel staff to say his name. Uh, but his wife got very angry because she was trying to call him and uh, she was having to through. Yeah, she couldn't get through to Rory Lorimer. And um, and the other one of the guys called himself Thomas Le Tank Engine. Uh, so that was another one, Thomas Le Tank Engine in French. So that was quite funny. Uh, and actually, Katie Tunso used to call herself Victoria Sponge. That was another good one. They're not so common now, or at least they haven't been for the last few acts I've done, I've not used them. Looking at the current crisis, how do you see us coming out of it? In, uh, specifically within the music industry, will will we start touring again? What, when do you think that might happen? It's hard to say. I know, but what are your immediate thoughts? Uh, I think it's going to be it's going to be slow to get back to people going to a show, whether it be five hundred people or ten thousand, and standing close to people. I just think it's good. It's you know any sort of crowd is going to be very very odd for people. 
for quite some time. I think a lot of bands won't want to move. Any sort of artist who was not keen to tour anyway and who doesn't have to tour financially or career-wise, they're not going to go anywhere for the moment until things are back to back to normal. I mean, you know, everybody at the start of this, maybe a month ago or three weeks ago, was thinking, oh, yeah, you know, maybe these festivals will happen in July. That's now apparent they're not happening the next thing will be August. That's Denmark has said that they put a ban on public gatherings till the end of August. You know, and then that's, if that's the same for all festivals and that's festival season wiped out, then we get into the period where shows that were going to be now have been rescheduled to sort of September, October. Will they happen? I don't know. It seems quite soon now. I mean, all the Edinburgh festivals were cancelled quite rightly, I think. Um, that was the whole of August. They've gone. Are we going to have tours in September? I just, I just don't know. Right from the outset of when this was announced, bands that were scheduled to landing this year have just rescheduled to the same dates next year. I think yeah. that's a very clever move. So I think it'll, I think it'll be next year before our industry picks up again to any level to what we would have previously known. You know, anyone I'm talking to is not really expecting to do a gig this year. You know, maybe towards the end of the year, maybe. Do you think there's a new norm that we have to look forward to coming out of this crisis? Yeah, I, I got an email uh, the other day from a, a travel agent in America just telling everybody to re redo their hotel riders and, you know, insist on hand sanitizer in the rooms and insist that the, the room's been completely sanitized between stays and... Yeah, all the, these new points to, to bring in. Some stuff will, will stick. Moving on, uh, with travel in mind, when you fly, aisle a window seat? Uh, an aisle has to be an aisle. I have to be able to get out when I want to. Can't be relying on somebody else. Can't be trapped in the window. On long-term flights, I suppose, yeah. Aisle seat for me as well, it has to be. Yeah. Backpack or wheelie bag? Wheelie, because... We're just carrying so much stuff these days um, and it just hurts your back. You've got to think about your back. Who would be your unsung heroes on tour? The caterers, because they do such a, a long, long day and it's it's well, it's not a thankless task because everybody's so grateful for them, but they have to be cheery. You know, a rigger can be grumpy because he's not had enough sleep. You can't go into catering and then be grumpy. You know, it's, it has to be... That's where we all go. That's our homely place. And we expect them all to be smiling and it's all lovely and the tablecloths are out and the flowers are there and there's freshly made scones. They're not allowed to be grumpy. So It's, it's the heart and soul, really, of touring, isn't it, Karen? Heart and soul. And they're, they're, for me, they're definitely the unsung heroes. They work, they work the hardest and they do such an important job. In the Green Room, sponsored by SOS Global Express. Proudly supporting the frontline efforts throughout the COVID-19 pandemic.